Welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. I'm Brian Kell. I'm Karen Wilson. And I'm Michael Lawrence. Let's get connected. It is the Great Eight episode of the BLC Connection Podcast. Brian Kell here with you. We've got a lot of stuff going on, right, Michael Lawrence? We do. We're going to talk about Channel 6. We're going to talk about where the Wi-Fi van is, and I've got some interesting trivia for you this time. Okay. Karen Wilson, what else can we expect? We're going to go behind the scenes at Ben Loman Connect and talk about the partial outage. Our special guest will be Customer Support Center Supervisor Donette Freeman. Okay. So we've got that to look forward to, but up next. We are taking you inside the grant process with Jared Sane, Jennifer Gillum, all that and more here on the PLC Connection Podcast. Welcome back into the BLC Connection Podcast. Brian Kell, Michael Lawrence, and along with us are two staples of Ben Loman Connect. It is the Chief Financial Officer, Jared Sane, sir. And also you, Jennifer Gillum, <laughs> Government and Regulatory Affairs Manager. Y'all, welcome into the BLC Connection podcast. Thank you. First time for both of y'all. I know that y'all have been chomping at the bit to get on here. Uh, in fact, Michael, we've turned them away how many times, I think, to get them on this? Jennifer keeps bugging me. I, I just don't know what's up. <laughs> yeah. So we finally said, okay, come on. We're, we've got some big information that we're going to be talking about. Anytime you start talking about grants, uh, that word is a is a small word as far as letters, but it's a big word around Ben Loman. It's a big word in Tennessee. It's a big word all across the, the nation. And uh, we've been very fortunate here at Ben Loman to be very successful at that. And two of the folks that helped spearhead uh, uh, some of that stuff over the years are the two we've got with us right now, and Jared and Jennifer. Uh, quick tease on the fact that nearly $24 million in grants uh, were recently given to Ben Lemon Connect for the Cumberland County and Coffee County areas. We'll talk more specifically about that in a minute, but that's why we kind of got them in here. First up, gang, um, somebody out there who's maybe a longtime Ben Lemon Connect customer, member, you know, they may say, listen, you guys talk an awful lot about grants, and we hear a whole lot about it from you all, but why is it so important to Ben Lemon Connect? And especially, how does that benefit me? as a customer or member at Ben Lohman. Jennifer, you want to kind of tackle that question first? Sure. Well, fiber infrastructure is extremely expensive to deploy because rural areas are sparsely populated. It's not economically feasible to expand our network without some type of outside support. Grant funding has provided a path for growth outside of the cooperative's footprint to underserved areas in Cumberland and Coffee counties. Now, while it's true that the most obvious benefit will go to the residents inside the grant areas, fiber optic infrastructure benefits all of the residents of the counties where grants are awarded. Fiber optic availability helps increase property values mm -hmm. and makes a community more attractive to people looking to relocate and also for industrial development. This can increase tax revenues for the county and promote new business ventures bringing jobs to the region, which also benefits surrounding counties. And also expanding to additional areas and adding new subscribers benefits all of Ben Lomond's members because it strengthens the cooperative, which is member owned. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, that, that's a lot of, Jared, that's a ton of positives right there. Anything more to kind of tack on top of that, really? Yeah, like Jennifer was saying, the, um, financially, you're going for sort of an economy of scale, uh, you know, it helps us control our costs when we go into these new areas. We are able to sign up new subscribers. That's new revenue coming in, um, and that helps us keep our offset our costs and keep costs down for all of our members, not just the ones in the new area. So, Jared, I think some people may you know hear these grants that we've we've got over the last six years and. You know, think Ben Lomond's getting all this this free money, and they they might you know miss out on you know what kind of skin does does Ben Lomond themselves what what do they put into these federal federal and state grants like what what all do we do for that? Sure, all the grants that Ben Lomond's been awarded have a matching component to them. So uh, you know the government will put in a percentage of the funds, and then we have to then match that to finish the project. So we've gotten. Uh, some that are a 50-50 match, some of them where we only have to put in 30%, and even some where we only have to put in 15%. But there's, there's always a matching component to ensure that uh, 
you know, the awardee, like you said, has some skin in the game. Uh, and then in addition to that, we typically, uh, you know, I know with the state grants, they encourage you to uh, build even beyond the boundaries of your, your grant award, you know, to hook up as many people as possible. So we'll use our own money after the grant project is complete to go back and expand the network into other areas that we didn't even get an award for. So we're, we're matching uh, the grant project itself, and then we're spending our own money to, to serve more people. And, and this helps a lot of you know, underserved areas that you know, without us coming in, they, they just can't get anything good, right? True. It's, uh, I mean, when we go door knocking and uh, we read these letters, it's, it's pretty amazing. We, I think we take it for granted, uh, having been Loman and having, you know, good internet service, but a lot of these people have nothing, you know. And when you say letters, are, are you saying people are writing in and, and asking for service in their area, or how does that work out there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we request uh, people send in letters. So for community support's a big part of the application for most of these. Jennifer could probably elaborate more on that than I can yeah so so Jennifer I, I know I'm assuming as part of some of these letters and things like that not everybody knows how much goes into the submission of of these grants you know what what all goes in uh, what all is involved in getting these grants and, and trying to participate in this grant submissions require a lot of work in a relatively short window of time typically the span of two to three months Beloma Connect often submits multiple applications per grant opportunity, which doubles or triples the amount of work that we have to complete in that same time frame. Each grant has its own set of guidelines and requirements that have to be followed. Um, normally, our team has to start out by choosing an area that meets all of the grant criteria. We create maps and determine costs to help develop a project budget. Then we research the location and our team looks at things like demographics, statistics, and census data. Then we, we usually try to get out and engage with the community, meet with the residents, and try to become familiar with the businesses, the schools, and the community anchor institutions that are located inside the grant area. Many of the grant programs have a community support component like Jared was talking about, which allows residents and businesses to be involved in the grant process. Ben Lomond's been very fortunate over the years to have tremendous community support for all of our grant applications, and that's really contributed to our success. Community support, people say, what is community support? Well, community support can include things like residents attending town hall meetings, submitting surveys, and writing support letters. This gives people residing in the grant area a voice to express their daily struggles and challenges that they and their family face due to the lack of broadband at their home. Our team reaches out to elected officials and business leaders. We try to get their perspective on the need for broadband in that community. Um, and then after gathering all this information together, it's Ben Loman's job to convey the community's story to the program administrators through a narrative and really try to make a case for why our proposed grant area needs funding more so than areas in other parts of the state or country. So I know I've worked with you a little bit, uh, Jennifer, on we've got a, a web page where people can go and fill out, you know, a questionnaire, things like that. What kind of questions are, are they asked on something like that? What, what kind of uh, information gathering are we getting on that? Well, we try to find out things like, um, do you have a reliable internet connection? Um, if you don't, um, what are the things that, if you did have a reliable internet connection and have high-speed broadband, you know, what, what would that allow you to do differently that you can't do now? Mm -hmm. Right, and, and I believe we also integrate where you can run a speed check so that way we can kind of see about what speed you're really getting, right. maybe as opposed to what's advertised. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody says, I need a faster broadband connection. Mm -hmm. um, but without a speed test, you can't actually gauge, um, you know, what that speed they're getting is. Mm -hmm. and, and we know as, as technology is growing and, of course, schools using 
you know, online learning, you know, the, the demand for speed is going up. And so this is why one of the, I guess, the big reasons why it's important for us to go and serve these areas. Yeah. Um, Jared, who happens to be, I think, the, the latest uh, Ben Loman employee that's now got gig gig at, at his home. Is that is that correct? Um, I mean, I've had it for a while. Yeah. I, I'm just saying it's not been forever, though, that you've had No, it, no, no. We yeah, were, I mean, you were part of that, uh, if I remember correctly, that center town build it at one time yes. too so things are hopping and you've been able to to get on that for quite a few months or something along those lines so yeah i know i noticed something that that jennifer said and it's very true it, it's uh having having talked to some of these folks that have written letters or in in case we used to do some videos and things like that to talk to these folks and to hear these stories um they are heartbreaking as far as as far as what these families are faced to have to do with schoolwork, uh, with with businesses, with, with their with their work schedule, um, just just want to say that until you've heard these heartbreaking stories, I and mean, there be people out there right now that have close family members that live both in Tennessee and, and outside of Tennessee, uh, it's uh, sad, very 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 sad. Uh, Jared, deadlines uh, to complete a project uh, can be pretty daunting <laughs> at times, I think. And uh, uh, we've been fortunate to receive multiple grants, uh, much like the ones that have been recently uh, granted to us in coffee in, in Cumberland County. Talk about the balancing act it takes to make sure that all these projects kick off and end and hit these deadlines. Yeah, so we've got multiple ones going on simultaneously, and they all have different requirements, different deadlines. So I think the main thing is just you know, having communication between, you know, us, you know, like Jennifer and I and uh, Greg and other people on this side of things that are, you know, looking at contracts and dealing with ECD, USDA, whoever. Uh, so we're, those dates are, you know, familiar to us, but we've just got to make sure that our operations and our network people understand that as well and just you know, check in, get updates. Uh, where are where are we at on this project? You know, the deadline's coming up. Do you think we're going to be okay? And just not letting it get to the point where it's like, okay, we got to be finished with this next month. Oh well, there's no way we're going to be able to do that. So over the past, I don't know, year, at times there have been these spikes in supply chain issues. How has that affected? Uh, you know these these kind of situations when it comes down to grants. I mean, we talk about it how it affects Ben Loman or how it affected Ben Loman and been able to do some of the things that we wanted to do. Man, you're talking about grants with deadlines. I would assume that 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 really can 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 crimp things or cripple some some situations. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we've been lucky enough that you know if we had some fiber that uh, was you know we couldn't get for a while uh, that we were able to you know work on something else or like pedestals, I know were an issue for a while. So, but they had other areas they could go to work, you know, that where they didn't need any pedestals. And we just kind of, when the pedestals come in, then we go back. Uh, same thing with the electronics. I know uh, there was, there's been other things to keep us occupied and keep where we didn't have to just grind the projects to a halt. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And, uh, you know, USDA, ECD, they understand that and, and, I know they've granted extensions for that and because it's kind of extenuating circumstances yeah. out of our control. So, so Jennifer, I know we've, we've been awarded uh, these grants for Cumberland and Coffee County. Um, let's talk about the, the single, you know, let's, let's talk about both of them, but let's talk about this first, you know, single largest project we've been awarded to the state uh, in Cumberland County. The Cumberland County grant award is over $22.4 million and like you said, it's the largest grant Ben Loman has ever received. Cumberland County is the fourth largest county in Tennessee by land mass and contains 685 square miles. Wow. Ben Loman's grant area covers 42% of the county at 291 square miles and touches the county's eastern, western, and northern borders. The project will have over 700 miles of fiber infrastructure and will serve approximately 7,000 locations. All right, that's, that's great. So what about Coffee County? The Coffee County Grant Award was over $1.4 million and will serve over 100 locations. 
The grant area is 29 square miles and will have over 40 miles of fiber infrastructure. And the Coffee County grant area expands off of the county's ARP broadband project. Awesome. Awesome. So, Jared, um, you know, as, as being, uh, Ben Loma continues to grow, it, it falls on your department to kind of help make sure that from a fiscal standpoint, we can handle it. So, you know, take a moment. Let's talk about, you know, the growth and, and the, the accounting department, how all this kind of plays in together. Yeah, the, of course, as Jennifer said before, it's very expensive to deploy this uh, infrastructure. And these grants are reimbursement style grants so you have to you know ex you have to spend the money up front you know build the project and then ask for reimbursement back from the state or the federal government whoever's awarding the money uh, so you do have to have quite a bit of capital uh, you know working capital to complete these and you know you add on that top of that the work that we're doing in our cooperative territory and uh, it can get pretty challenging you know we've got large uh, payments to contractors going out frequently, large payments to vendors for materials, uh, and then it's going to be a while before you get that money back as part of the grant. You know, submitting the request takes a while to work up the request, it takes, you know, usually a couple of months for the state to turn that money around. Uh, and then on top of that, in our cooperative area, we're doing the same thing for the areas that don't have fiber. So we're funding that as well so. so so it's encouraging for our members to know that you know even though we're being awarded these grant areas and, and building out to expand we're, we're also still uh, continuing to invest within our, you know the existing territory and our, our existing customers is that right absolutely okay yeah we've uh, taken out quite a bit of uh, loan money from RUS to finish up the cooperative territory uh, so there's no no grants involved there, but that's just uh, the board, you know, wanting to put in a priority in that and saying that we need to borrow the money to take care of our members. We try to kill acronyms here. RUS, explain to somebody what RUS is. Rural Utility Service. It's part of the USDA, gotcha. United States Department of Agriculture. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, Jennifer, I guess to you as we kind of wrap things up here, you know, Ben Loma Connect's been a, been a true leader in, in grant writing from a state and national perspective probably for the past six, seven years. Talk about the pride you must feel um, in being a part of, of, that, uh, of that charge that, that Ben Loman has, has done over that time. Ben Lomond Connect and its subsidiaries have been awarded 18 broadband grants over the last six years, totaling almost $42 million in funding. The awards have included six Tennessee broadband accessibility grants, four USDA Community Connect grants, two USDA Reconnect grants, four Tennessee Emergency Broadband Fund grants, and the latest two Tennessee Emergency Broadband Fund American Rescue Plan grants. Personally, I, I'm just really proud of our team's efforts and our community's participation in all of Ben Lomond's broadband grants. Like Brian was saying earlier, it definitely tugs on your heartstrings when you hear about all the challenges that families face because of the lack of broadband service at their location, things that most of us probably take for granted. Broadband is vital in so many aspects these days, including students' educational pursuits, improved health care options, and work-from-home opportunities. To me, and I think to, for our whole team, it's very rewarding to know that through these grant awards, Ben Lomond Connect has played a small role in improving the quality of life of residents in the counties we serve. Amen. I, 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 grants hit so many different departments to be able to get everything together. I, I, I see all the stuff that goes into these that, that you're that both you guys find yourselves having to pull in and, and do that. But not only does it take Ben Loman team members to do this, it takes communities being able to band together. You can, you know, the, the solicitation that, that I know that, that we try to get for letters and, and stories from folks and and you know broadband speed test and, and all those kind of things. And then also too I mean, your governmental affairs, that's a key part in this whole thing as well, too, right? Right. Our elected officials have been great. It's just been awesome to see the amount of effort that they put out to try to 
help their counties win these grant awards and by partnering with us. So that's the question for, for either one of you. When we, let's say we complete these areas or or maybe in the beginning of it, do you guys actually get to talk to some of these potential customers or, you know, then after customers and get to hear their response on us coming in there and, and providing this service? Well, I, I personally haven't talked to them that I could think of off the top of my head, but I know our customer service people talk to them all the time and they're so grateful uh, for what Ben Loman has done for them and getting them service. Uh, it, it, that That's the rewarding part to me, part of it too, is, you know, just having people that are appreciative of what we're doing uh, because, you know, they just, they, it really affected their quality of life. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will kick in just real quick here too. Uh, the, the Facebook messages that we end up receiving, uh, some of the posts of folks that are, uh, I, I can remember folks being able to send us uh, speed test uh, checks that they're doing and just being amazed at being able to get, you know, those those extremely high high speeds. Uh, those have been fun to see from folks that are just overjoyed and just they, they got to share it with somebody. So they'll message us back through there to say thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, do you get to, to see or talk to any of these? Just this week alone, I've received at least 10 or 15 emails from residents that live inside these grant areas that have read our press release or the governor's press release and found out that their area was going to be awarded grant funding. And they are so excited. They're already thinking of ways that this is going to impact their lives and how it's going to make it better. And I bet their first question is when. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. Yeah, and, and uh, that's something that, that we try to give them as much updates as we can on all this. And, and I guess the first thing is, is that for somebody who in these areas that felt like in some ways they had no hope, you know, a little bit of hope. Well, there's been a light out there that they can be able to say, hey, it's coming. And so uh, that's exciting for everybody. I think the biggest number I'm going to walk away with this segment is is 42% of Cumberland County. And that, like you said, huge county. I had no idea it covered 42%. That, that's amazing to me. Jared Sane, Jennifer Gill, thank you so much for coming on the BLC Connection Podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you for you having me. This is the BLC Connection Podcast, and it's our time for Connected Home. I'm Karen Wilson, and joined again with Micah and Brian, and also Ms. Donette Freeman from the Customer Support Center. We're going to talk about the behind-the-scenes aspect of the August partial outage. Thank you all for coming back to the table and joining the podcast. Yeah, we, we brought our first mm -hmm. guest we ever had on the podcast back for our eighth episode. And so. she came back, so <laughs> that's did. good. Not that you had a choice on that, you know, but, you know, when you work here, it's part of the job. Yeah. So, okay, well, just as an introduction of, you know, what um, we kind of went through, um, Micah, what services did it affect, and uh, were there any early indicators of the problem. <clears throat> so I guess let, let's start about what, what actually happened. Um, you know, all of our fiber customers, they have ONTs, which basically co uh, convert fiber um, back to over something usable for the customer, which would be copper. Um, all of these boxes actually have some smarts to them. And so there is a server that, you know, configures these, um, these devices. So the server um, started having issues uh, to the point where it was, in a nutshell, resetting the ONTs back to factory, which means no services are on, nothing's working. Um, and then started kind of doing it in a domino effect. Um, it didn't happen all at once, um, but it did, you know, start gradually getting worse. Um, you know, we did start seeing a few customers call in, um, started trying to work and identify the issue. Um, and of course, as time went along, it we realized it was starting to be even a bigger um, issue. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what happened. Uh, that's kind of, you know, the, the symptoms of, of what was going on. So as something of this scale happens, kind of tell us what, um, Micah, you first, and then maybe Donette too, as far as the customer support center, uh, what's happening behind the scenes? So uh, I guess Donette would probably be best because it, it's going to hit her first. Um, as soon as the calls start coming in, 
we will start um, getting obtain, obtaining all the information that comes in, and that way we can get it to the right department that um, we see that it needs to go to. Because the more information that we have and the specifics of it, the you know the more beneficial it's going to be for them. Um, and then we monitor the stats that come in um, to kind of see the areas and everything that's going to be affected from it. And then we just work closely with that department and trying to keep everybody up to date. Mm-hmm. And and once it kind of you know the information is gathered from her department, then it goes over to network operations. Who you know we talked about last uh, yeah, month, last month yeah. with uh, with Bill and Albert. And uh, you know at that point we're we're listening for information, but then we're also trying to track down the issues. You know you know what's failing? Do we have any logs? You know is there any anything similarity to a specific area, um, or is it you know Ben Loman as a whole? Um, and you know just start kind of evaluating what the problem can be um, once we identify the problem obviously then you can start working on the mm-hmm. fix so I guess it's different probably for every situation sometimes the customer probably drives the troubleshooting and other times maybe you're seeing it on the end of the equipment first mm-hmm. and the troubleshooting starts from the equipment maybe before the phone calls start is that correct yeah I mean you know sometimes um, be, depending upon where the issue starts, we might be getting uh, alarms and we might not, depending upon the issue. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But, um, you know, once we once we start getting alerted over, or lots of times uh, when there is an outage starting or, or something like that, we already know about it. We're already, you know, working to try to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. Due to alarms kind of going off on certain pieces of equipment or certain platforms that they're watching. Yeah, you know we we've got alarms set up on you know just about everything we have here, and you know we'll we'll get kind of snippets of what's happening, and then that's when we go deep dive into the problem to figure out you know what is really going on. Um, so yeah, I, I would say Donette that you help them help network operations big time in that. Some situations could be very localized, could be to a remote, could be to a blade on a remote. But if you're telling them, you know, kind of in this case, hey, listen, this is not relegated to this this portion of a county. It's it's you're, I'm getting this kind of stuff from my, that's very key. Yeah. As soon as they start coming in, you know, we get the blade um, that the customers come calling in off of immediately. So we started keeping track of those and then we seen that it was just sporadic. So. So when it comes to communicating with the customers, um, how how early does that begin, Donette? You know, because you're taking the phone call as the manager of or the, the supervisor of the department. You're having to kind of outline the message that the employee or that the customer uh, support employee is telling the customer. How, how do you do that? Yeah, as soon as the calls start coming in and we see what's going on, then we, um, we send out a, a broadcast in our department there and we let everybody know. And um, we try to coordinate with Brian on exactly what he's going to be posting on social media. And then that way, what he has to go on there matches the recording that we put on as well that he gets for us. Um, but the information that we get, we try to get that, you know, as quickly as we can to keep our customers updated. And, um, and the key point about that is, is that some people may be calling in wondering, I wonder if Ben Loman even knows about this. So if you can get that message out there at the very front saying, hey, we are experiencing this or that, the thought is, I would say, that that customer goes, okay, they know and they're hanging up and they're waiting. Right. Yeah, because we had a lot of abandoned calls, but it was because they was hearing the message and then just going ahead and hanging up. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a lot of chats coming in off of the website, too, so they was asking that way. And so we had a lot of communication going on. So during this time, again, behind the scenes, you're kind of um, staffing up, pulling in employees. What does that look like? So we knew it wasn't going to be a quick fix, so we went ahead and had everybody planning on just working over. Um, And they kind of knew, you know, they was all working together themselves, and a lot of them would stay over, and then some of them would go ahead and leave. Um, Others came in early, but the ones that did leave, they would go home and rest for a little bit, and then they was back on working from home. So they was able to log in and still work from home. Mm-hmm. So Donette, that was your team. Let's go over to Micah because there was a lot of 
I'm sure, over, you know, 24 hours of work going on on that side as well. Yeah. You got a lot of rest, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really didn't. <laughs> so I, I, I stayed up. I, I went back and counted. I, I worked a 30-hour day. Um, and, and other so, folks did, too. And, and others did as well. So, yeah, and, and this is the great thing about network operations. And we kind of talked about this on the last um, podcast is, when it comes to network operations and outages, it could be anything from ice to, to you know equipment failure to, to you name it, um, it's all hands on deck. Um, all those guys are staying down there. Sometimes in some occasions where we know it's going to drag on longer, we have to send a couple people home. Let them go get some rest mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, exchange out those that have been staying there for a while. In this case, like I said, this department is great um, just to see all these guys stick with it. Um, you know, doing whatever they can to get the the issue resolved in a timely manner. You know, they they stuck with it. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a that this is just what happens. That's a part of the job for for network operations. And I guess it's such a great feeling when you're starting to see a lot at the end of the tunnel. Things are starting to, mm-hmm. especially one getting. The, it figured out where the problem's coming from and then working through that mm-hmm. and then, man, finally saying, okay, we're we're like three-quarters of the way done here. Yes, it feels good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice reward. And I know our customers, I did see a lot of good feedback on social media where they understood they they you know know that you're working as hard as you can to get it restored. Brian, let's talk about social media and communicating with the customers. Sometimes customers want more communication. What? But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 sometimes you know what you're providing is appropriate, but you have to make sure what you're providing is correct. So let's take people a little bit behind the scenes as far as how we try to communicate. Um, when when there's uh, something uh, like this that goes on, CSC it's they're the most important because if we can let the customer know that's calling in, just like what we talked about, that we are aware that the problem is going on and we've got all hands on deck working on the problem. For some folks, they're good with that, so that's key to be able to get the calls uh, uh, to to kind of die down and to let people know that we know. Second thing that happens is we try to get an email out to employees because what has happened, and I'm sure other organizations have have had this happen to them before, is that you put so much information out there that the folks that work in your own in your own company start going, well, I had to find out on Facebook or I had to hear from this and that. So uh, if we're following what we need to be following, it's CSC first, employees email, hey, here's what's going on and we're getting the word out on this and, and letting them know. Third thing, uh, website. Uh, putting, uh, we've got a great, thanks to Karen and a lot of work that's gone on with the website over the years, we've got a great way uh, that we can be able to do an alert on the website homepage that really stands out at the very top that can not only give a brief explanation as far as what's going on, but then also, too, could either provide a link to information on how to get in touch with customer service if there's something else that's going on there, or uh, a link to some other bit of information that we're going into more detail on, like a press release from Miss mm-hmm. Karen Wilson or something like that. Uh, the last thing, or, or fourth thing, Ben Loman Home. We have talked about it before in here as far as the importance of us being able to talk to our customers. Having that push notification on Ben Loman Home, first of all, having it and then being able to receive that, we will get a inf- piece of information out to our Ben Loman Home customers uh, through the app letting them know what's going on, and uh, we can, again, tie that to the website, which offers us more characters to be able to uh, go into more depth than we can on a you know little small push notification that's on that, but we can link that to our website. And last but not least, social media, the ones that we tend to use most when something like this happens, whether it's you know Mother Nature or, like you said, uh, you know some, some type, of, type of equipment failure, um, is uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, those are the two main ones that we'll end up doing. And uh, feedback is there. <laughs> but, and, and to speak, I guess, to, to the uh, – this is a great topic as far as how frequently. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody has the perfect answer to that. Uh, you've got some people that, want it, that, that, that even said on Facebook, we need an hourly update. Um, Micah can attest to this. If we're given an hourly update uh, based on uh, 5 o'clock that afternoon, Donette knows this too as well, 
that out that update may not have changed if we gave an hourly update for about five hours mm-hmm. and and I, me personally if i'm seeing the same update while people are trying to uh figure out issues and be able to, to, to go through that, to me, that's more frustrating than actually just saying, hey, here's our latest update, and it might be six hours. I think we might have waited six hours to give the next one, which was right leading about 10 o'clock. And then we came back then, back uh, first thing that morning, 7 a.m., in other words, before the workday starts, to try to say, hey, this is where we're at again. Yeah, and I would say from our perspective is is you know once the issue is identified, there are occasions when you know the fix is going to take a while to to be implemented. And in terms of it's got to do a lot of processing, depending upon what's issue. In this case, you know there was uh, things we had to clean up within you know it basically it was going to take about five to six hours to complete. And um, so there's really not much to update other than we, we found it, we're fixing it just got to take some time um because and and that's just part of it so yeah. so from from you know brian's perspective being able to communicate it would be the same message for the next six hours so right and i mean some people have this perception in their mind that it's all about flipping a switch or resetting something but it's so much more complicated than that i mean even though we're used to instantaneous things changing and stuff when it comes to like writing code and and refiguring things like that it's not a simple process yeah and you know i i've I've saw some of the comments and things and and you know people say well you know why does ben loman not have a backup for that you know why why did they not have backups and i'll assure you there was backups yeah um you know sometimes when when the primary doesn't work, sometimes it also affects the the backup. And if anybody's in technology, they'll realize that it doesn't matter how many how ten feet tall and bulletproof you think you are, you know something can still go wrong. And so, you know, we have made more steps to to fix this in the future, but um, you know it, it, it can happen. And, and so we we do everything we can um, until we see something that rises that. We thought would never happen in a million years, but it but it does. It so does, it's just, right? It's that's just what happens in technology. Well, and I'll I'll kind of jump to that. The takeaway from the experience, you know, every time that uh, any business goes through something uh, of this nature, you walk away learning a lot from it. Um, what are the takeaways, Donette? Let's start with you as far as. You know, dealing with customers and your team and things like that. What what did you learn from it? Um, I think each time we just um, learn a little bit more about what to look out for. Um, always being attentive to it, and um, we just want to ensure the customers. You know that as soon as they call in, you know we're getting it taken. You know, hopefully taken care of as quickly as we can. Um, but teamwork and communication is the key to it all. I know sometimes when I call in to the customer support center, I think, why all the questions? Well, you know, they're <laughs> they're asking me these things because, you know, they don't want to hang up from me and only have part of the story. You yeah. know, they're, that's part of the troubleshooting process is all the questions that um, they're asking, I guess, to see the big picture. You know, is this localized? Is it just me? Or are there others out there? I think it can go so many different ways that they just have to make sure that with all the questions that's being asked, because we may call, you know, one department and it's just not enough. So we want to make sure that when we call, we have everything so they're not on a wild goose chase. Um, We want everybody to have the information that they need to fix it as quickly as possible. And for you, Micah, your takeaway. So when it comes to takeaways for for network operations and and everybody involved there, the it, it's about prevention. It's uh, you know what can we do to prevent this from happening in the future. So I know from our perspective, um, we've kind of moved things over to kind of a it's it's a virtual environment uh, where as opposed to having. Uh, backups on a normal basis. We can also do uh, what we call snapshots, where it takes a, an exact match of that server, and we can restore it back even to the day or even to the hour. Hmm. Um, so you know, where if we need to restore it back to the hour before this even happened, before it got you know really bad, we can do that. So um, we've got a lot of flexibility now. Um, to where again, we're, we're talking about that being ten feet tall and bulletproof is you know we have to take that next next further step 
to prevent it from happening in the future or you know if something does happen in the future the time to recovery um, is a lot faster mm-hmm. well and thinking about this too you know we were talking about the teams um you all have a team, Micah, of what ten people or so, mm-hmm. and then Donette, your team. What you know during a, a crisis, what what is it ramped up to? Um, we can usually have fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, so possibly up to thirty or forty people, not counting the CEO, the you know marketing manager, people like that, mm-hmm. messaging all of these. You know, I want to emphasize to the audience just how many hands are on deck trying to to mm-hmm. get this message out and to get it fixed. And, and, and I'll say this is, and this really hits both of them. Um, the the number of businesses that uh, that we that, that that the sales department was collecting um, and, and getting that to these groups so that Donette could have somebody uh, in her team be able to go and start reaching out to customers and and making sure that individualized customers are taken care of. That's huge, and and you, uh, that's the part that you see all the inner workings of some of these departments coming together. Uh, to try to take care of of customers, which is just awesome to see uh, that personal touch. And and another thing, too, that you were talking about takeaways, um, that I think that all of us uh, have seen um, over the last year and a half, and and Greg has really made, our our CEO, Greg Smart, has made this really a point, is that we're going to be transparent. We're going to be as transparent as we can, and if something is is on us, we're going to own it. And we're going to try to explain that to the customer in a way uh, that doesn't talk down to them, that is uh, um, uh, very much us being able to say, this is what happened. And, and I, think that's, I think that's really refreshing uh, to, to be able, and I think that people, for the most part, really respect that. And that's um, what we've attempted to do in, in our messaging. And I know in Greg's final comments on, on, the, uh, on, on the partial outage um, to, to, really, to really go into those, those kind of details. So I guess the biggest question probably from, from social media and uh, maybe even internally amongst her, you know, w- was it a hack? Because that's the first thing people think of, <laughs> hacked by Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know, that, that seems to be the buzzword. Everybody thinks when something goes wrong, something was hacked. In this yeah. case, absolutely not. Um, where this piece of equipment lives, it does not have internet exposure, um, so it really couldn't have been. So, no, it was absolutely not, despite these people that seem to have insight knowledge to our network, um, mm. despite what they think, no, it was absolutely not. It was... It was basically a software malfunction, is what we'll say. So you heard it here. Putin was go. not there <laughs> flipping the switch on uh, Ben Lomond, and you know that it wasn't quite that simple, and it wasn't uh, anything of the, of that nature. So thank you all so much. I feel like that this has learned. You know, we are all learning from each other how we handle things like this. We're doing things like this to educate other businesses you know, on how you might handle something. And then our residential customers on how hard we are working to get all of that restored. So Donette, Micah, and Brian, thank you so much for joining us for this portion of the Connected Home segment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to Connect with BLC. Karen, what can we expect from Channel 6? Well, Channel 6 had a busy, busy month in the end of August and all of September with all the fairs. So in October, you're going to see a lot of these fair pageants. Uh, we, we recorded everything live, but people can't get enough of seeing their kids and grandkids and all the pretty dresses and things like that. So that'll be a lot of what you see going on in October at Channel 6. Awesome. Great. Brian, where is the Wi-Fi van going? I will tell you that the Wi-Fi van on October 8th will be at Liberty Square for the big celebration going on in Sparta. Uh, That is an event that we have had the Wi-Fi van at, I think, ever since the inception of the Wi-Fi van. So that is a a big help to that huge throwdown that they do in Sparta. 
as they celebrate their bluegrass history roots that run deep over in White County. That's on October 8th. And then October 14th, they kick off the Upper Cumberland Air Show. I have never been to that, but I have heard great things about it. We have provided the Wi-Fi van at that event also for a couple to a few years now. But that is a three-day event that goes on all that entire weekend. And so it's not only – it used to be the air show, and they call it now, I think, the air fair and and the fact that you've got a show there built into it. Lots of great flying contraptions that are going to be up there at the Upper Cumberland Air Show, and we've got free Wi-Fi to give them. Cool. Awesome. Yep. So, so one of the things that we do on the podcast is we try to bust up acronyms. Yes? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, we did that today a little yeah. bit. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. And so – I thought, how cool would it be is to ask you guys what the acronyms mean for certain things. <laughs> and watch it be stuff in our industry we don't even know. I will say, I keep saying to myself, my brain is fried because of telecom acronyms. <laughs> so if I just get, go stupid on you, that's probably why. Don't well, you have like 20 years of acronyms being thrown yes, at you? And, yeah. you know, as the technology changes, you feel like you've got a whole other set to learn. Well, they're, they're not from our industry. Actually. Okay, well, here oh, we go. Oh, wow. So this is going to be interesting because they're, they're, they are something you've heard of before. Okay, so the first one is, did you know 3M, you know, like tape yes. and all this? What does 3M stand for? <laughs> uh, I guess I just always thought it was like three millimeter or something like that. I, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good guess. Uh, I thought Mike Nesmith's mom was somehow involved with that. So is it the, is it, uh, the names of... Of uh, a family member, a family member's names. Nope. Okay. It is Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing oh Company. Gosh. Wow. So th- all of that that we get from 3M out there in the world, they originated as a mining company. It's in their name. Okay. We're going <laughs> to think that. Yeah. All right. Wikipedia on How that about one. this uh-huh. one? How about BMW. So you've heard these all the time, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, you never... Th- British. Oh. Motor. I don't know. Brian, come on. British <laughs> Motor. Is she close already? No. <laughs> oh, dang it. Oh, okay. shoot. <laughs> thought it, I was having a stroke of brilliance, yeah. but no. It is Bavarian Motor Works. Bavarian. Okay. Huh. Okay. All right. Now, here's another one. If you go down to Florida... You'll get to go to a certain place called Epcot. <laughs> oh wait, I've seen documentaries on this. I, I did not know that Epcot was an acronym, but it it is an acronym. City of Tomorrow is the is the is the cot part. Nope. Is it not? Nope. It's close. <laughs> I I'm like all I remember is the, the mascot is Figment, and that's as far as I can take you. So it stands for experimental prototype. Community of tomorrow. of tomorrow. Okay, yes. That's, that's going through my brain. All right, I've got two more. Okay. Nerf, as in Nerf guns. <laughs> uh huh. Didn't know that was an acronym. No. I'm totally lost on that one. I don't have a clue. I, that's an, I can't believe that's an acronym. <laughs> I, I can't either. Uh, but and it's N E R F? N E R F. Okay. I got nothing. I didn't know it was an acronym. Oh, what is yeah. it? It is a non-expandable recreational foam. <laughs> they That's totally just is. went with the... That's exactly, That's exactly what it is. What it is. That's exactly. Yeah. And the last one... Okay. Got to get one of these, right? Really? Is spam. And we're talking about spam, not as in spam email, but spam as in the, the food, meat. food product. Yes. <laughs> Does the, the M stand for meat? No. <laughs> because there's none in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the M doesn't even stand for meat. Artificial comes to mind it's for artificial? the A. No. <laughs> Golly. That wouldn't be very appetizing anyway. Um, the, I'm they, coming up with artificial meat and that yeah. neither one. because <laughs> that's yeah. what everybody thinks Space age. No, no, definitely not space <laughs> age. <laughs> huh. Well, now they don't use the first letter of the words on some of these. Oh, come on, and that's not fair. So it stands for shoulder of pork and ham. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> so I can. This may freak some people out. I've never had spam. You know, I really have only had it diced up like in a salad, like a macaroni salad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I hear Hawaii loves it. Yes, I've seen a story on that. Yep. I think CBS Sunday Morning did something on the how big it is in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You've had spam before. I have. Best okay. thing to do is slice it. And then throw it in a pan and fry it up. Fried mm-hmm. spam. Mm-hmm. I'll take your word. I think I have heard from some of the local barbecue places that smoked spam is really tasty, kind of like smoked bologna. I was going to say it's it's kind of like the 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 smoked bologna that like a sandwich. It's mm-hmm. it's similar to that. Who just, would just, have thought that the one time that the topic of spam comes up on the BLC Connection podcast, it would be about the meat, the literal <laughs> spam? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if I'm going to have any this weekend or not, but I will not. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Until next month. And we are here at the end of another BLC Connection podcast episode. But before we put the final wraps on, we want to just get a few things out there, including a big salute to Jay Williams from Spencer, who actually reached out to us through a way that Mike is going to tell us about in a little bit. He said he really enjoyed hearing the behind the scenes aspects of how we maintain and run our fiber and also keep everything up and running. It's those unsung heroes which make all the difference, so it's great to hear from them on the podcast. Jay, thanks so much. And Micah, tell folks how they can reach out to us. Sure, you can reach out to us or submit your questions. Uh, You can message us on our BLC Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn account, or you can just email us at blcpodcast at benloman.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and practically everything. All these other ones that you, that we don't, we've never heard of before. Yep. <laughs> it's on all the major ones, though. Karen Wilson, BLC Connection mini episode. Can you give us a tease as to what that could be? Well, um, many of us may or may not know that co- um, Cooperative Month is in October, so I'll be talking to the Tennessee Broadband Association Director, Miss Carrie Huckabee, and we're going to talk about all things cooperative. No stranger to the Ben Loman family over the years, as you'll catch up with her. That'll be a great one as she's assuming some new duties that are major to uh, broadband uh, along the, the state of Tennessee. As far as the next episode of the BLC Connection podcast, we are heading to Sparta, in which we will uh, be talking with Mr. Ben Clark and also even probably try to grab Tammy Odom as well and talk all things White County. A lot of big stuff happening over there. And so we will take it on the road to Sparta for our next episode. You guys up for that? Absolutely. Yeah, I can't help but thinking of the movie 300 when you say that. It's, that's where you I was know, going, yeah. so good job on that. And I think he was going that way, too, as well. Sparta. Yeah. All right. So, uh, gang, thanks so much. It's been fun. Uh, we want to tell you for listening out there to us. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and stay connected.